The Viewpoint on SAFM. Right now, in the matter of making investment decisions, consistency is a key and making emotional decisions in reaction to extraordinary events often destroys market value for investors. And these are the cautionary words of Paul Nixon, head of behavioral finance at Momentum Investments, when speaking at a media webinar which unpacked the findings of the Momentum Investments and Oxford Risk Noise and Investment Advice so how should we be investing? Should we be emotional about it? What noise should we be blocking out when making those investments? And Paul Nixon joins us now on the line. Paul, a very good evening to you. Good evening, Nansa, and of course to the listeners. It was quite interesting uh, reading uh, your your talk from the webinar and uh, you speak about, you know, um, investing and noise. And I just want to find out from you, how does market turmoil and panic actually impact on investor behavior? Yeah, so we, we had a look last year um, at the COVID market uh, crash, which, which of course occurred in March last year. You know, we saw markets dipping from 57,000 points down to 37,000 points relatively quickly um, in response to the global pandemic. And, um, and we saw a dramatic risk-off strategy from investors. So, so, you know, investors were clamoring, trying to get to safer assets. Um, and then immediately after that, of course, markets recovered actually very quickly. And that's one of the most interesting findings as well. You know, investors destroyed a lot more value even in the global financial crisis because markets actually recovered so quickly to everyone's surprise and investors completely missed the recovery and sat on the sidelines and watched it happen. So, so you know, we saw one and a half billion rand in switches um, last year and 100 million rand lost in, you know, uh, for South African investors, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But surely, I mean, you can understand where, you know, the panic from investors was coming from. Uh, you know, this was a pandemic. It's something that we had never, never experienced before. So I'm sure other pandemics will come and uh, people will have to make decisions as far as investing is concerned. What is your advice? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, Sir John Templeton was famously quoted as saying, you know, the four most dangerous words of investing are this time it's different. Um, and of course, you know, as you say, the, this pandemic wasn't actually that different. It was, you know, markets recovered just like every other market crisis that we've seen. So, mm. so you know, it, it's very difficult, as you say, for investors, however. And, and, you know, a key concept here is that knowledge does not equal understanding. So, so we might know what the right thing to do is, but when it's our investment, you know, when it's your pension fund, when it's, you know, a statement that you're looking at when you're seeing these kind of red, these red things on a piece of paper or on a screen, it's very difficult, very difficult not to make an emotional reaction. So, mm. so you know, the, a key part of this, I think, in, in in understanding these, you know, these kinds of things is to is to definitely one of the tactics we can use is to you know use a good financial advisor. So, so have a coach that's sitting on the sidelines that is um, that is looking after your best interest and that can give you you know the right advice in these circumstances um, as well. Mm. And in in communication science, we also talk about noise. It can be something that's psychological. It can be what is said around you. So, as far as investment is concerned, what do we? What are we referring to when we talk about noise? Yeah, look, that, that's a great question. So, so, we look at two things at momentum investments. We look at, at at client behavior, and we also have a look at advisor behavior. So, so obviously, advisor behavior is just as important in this equation because advisors are also human. So, mm. you know, advisors aren't robots. So, you know, advisors are also prone to making emotional reactions and decisions as well. And 
when we had a look at noise, and, and we worked very closely with um, with global thought leaders, which are Oxford Risk in the UK on this um, on the study, and you'll also see that Daniel Kahneman is publishing a new book, I think, next month on on noise as well. So it's quite a hot topic in behavioural science at the moment. And you know, if you think about professional judgment, noise sits at the centre of any profession where there is professional judgment, be it you know, be it medicine, be it law, be it financial advice. And you can think of noise basically in a, as, as a you know a doctor, for example, seeing two clients with exactly the same symptoms but giving a different diagnosis, and and that's you know exactly what why the doctor is giving a different diagnosis to those clients with exactly the same symptoms is what we refer to as noise. So it's not very predictable. You know, so behavioral sciences has has studied biases a lot, but biases are quite predictable. You know, people's behavior is is predictable and errs in predictable ways, but but noise is so much more difficult because it's random. You know, we've seen a very famous study with the judges where, you know, the, the, kind of someone who was, if a judge was um, giving a, a parole hearing, mm. you know, um, he or she was far more likely to grant parole if he or she had actually just had a meal. Um, you know, and that's completely random. So, you know, mm. those kind of things we don't tie together. But um, as it turns out, in, in this case, you know, justice was, was dependent on, on whether the judge had, um, you know, had, had, had a meal. So, so there are very interesting things and things which are less predictable in behavioral science, and that's what we refer to as noise, understanding that noise. Mm. And how do we combat this noise, in, uh, the investment noise? How do, we, how do we combat it so that we are able to you know, make decisions that are rational? Mm. So look, the best way to do it is, um, you know, if you're going to see a doctor, for example, if we stick with that analogy, you know, give the doctor every bit of information that you can. So there's no point in going to someone with a problem and, and, and not giving it, you know, kind of that, uh, that professional, the amount of information that they need. So, so get, give all the information that is needed to diagnose that problem. And then obviously you need to pick your professional and you need to pick someone that also the value proposition of that person is, is very much a coaching, you know, someone who's very interested in managing, you know, I think financial advice and the value proposition of financial advisors is shifting the industry from managing, you know, managing money to managing people, and that's very, very important. So, if we look at chemical secretions as well, yeah, you know, it's very important to have a trusted relationship with with an advisor, and the trust and having that trust in someone looking after your best interests will then make you will help you make um, better or more rational decisions when mm. you when you deal with money. And finally, Paul, I mean, I'm sure there are many lessons to be taken from the nationwide lockdown period Mm. that would be useful to create a better investment atmosphere. What would you say those are? Mm. Look, I think, you know, I I think there's a a couple of things. So so how we, you know, how we can also help, you know, um, make better decisions is to use rules of thumb as well. And rules of thumb are actually quite useful. So 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 I think probably the biggest rule of thumb to use is that, you know, if your investment goals haven't changed, your mm-hmm. plan to reaching those goals shouldn't be changing either. And, and that's really a key question you need to ask yourself. So if markets are crashing, you need to not, you know, don't focus on the markets, focus on your investment goals. If your goals are not changing, your plan to reaching those goals, in other words, your portfolio, you know, shouldn't be changing as well. Oh. And then I think if we can just sort of use the, you know, three very, very, um, you know, three very basic kind of rules um, that actually serve us very, very well is when you think about investing, you know, the first, the first rule is put your money to work. So, you know, so get it, get it to work for you. Get it in a, in, a, in, in something that's going to give you a good return over time, for example, and, and help you beat inflation. The second rule is don't put all, all your eggs in one basket. So spread your risk. You know, diversify. Have a well diversified portfolio to, to get you to your goals. And then the third and last one is just leave it alone. Um, you know, that, that's really some, <laughs> sometimes the third, and, the third most important one, mm. which we struggle with so much. Um, and of course, we we then go back to the golden rule. So when when something happens, when markets shake. You know, check your check whether your whether your investment goals have changed, 
And if they haven't, um, you know, leave it alone. Oh, Paul, it's very enlightening. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> Thank you very, very much for having me. All right. That's understanding the true cost of noise when when investing. And uh, joining us there was Head of Behavioral Finance at Momentum Investments, Paul Nixon. I guess that's the balance between psychology and, and money and investments. They're quite fascinating. Let's uh, take a break. And after that, we're going to talk about how retail has been shaped, reshaped by lockdown. Really, the way in which we do shopping has has really tra- changed dramatically and we'll be discussing that after the break the viewpoint 8 to 10 p.m turning conventional wisdom on its head the viewpoint on safm Welcome to SAFM Viewpoint. So lockdown level five in South Africa started at midnight on the 26th of March. Remember that day. And with it, life as we know it changed from the panic scrambling of toilet paper purchases and tin fruit supply to the sophisticated convenience of navigating online shopping without having to leave home. One year on the pandemic environment has been marked by changes in the way that we shop and uh, just a quick question to you as well dear listener how has it changed was it were you one of those people that were quite skeptical about online shopping and uh, are you now doing shopping in the comfort of your own home as a lot of us have been doing through the years so to talk about this we joined by chris olson and he's the chief operation officer at payflex um chris a very good evening to you and thank you for making the time for us Hi, Norm Sir, and hello to the listeners. Good. I was quite shocked to actually find that the online retail sector actually experienced, had a, a 10-year experience or 10-year growth in just 90 days. You know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, um, you know, I think with the pandemic, that's obviously um, accelerated the growth in, uh, you know, in online shopping and e- e-commerce platforms. And uh, obviously, the the retailers and the merchants have obviously hooked on to um, making sure that they can still get their products to the clients. And what's happened is the consumer themselves have become a lot more confident mm-hmm. in online shopping because there's 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 more trust built in. The uh, systems have become more intuitive and frictionless, and you're getting quicker fulfillment at the end of the day. Um, and essentially, what's happening is that you're finding that a lot of the consumers are starting to experience better service than they would if they had to actually go to a physical store. Mm. Now, um, you know, some of us have been doing online shopping for quite a while because I just don't like, even before um, the pandemic. But the question I want to ask is, why did it take so long for retailers to actually, you know, get into this trend? Why did it have to take such a dramatic event for us to actually turbocharge trends and, <laughs> and, 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 and actually, you know, catch up with, with the rest of the world? Well, yeah, certainly. I mean, the pandemic obviously assisted in that, um, you know, with people being at home and they still wanting those, those luxuries that they were buying in a, in a physical store. What's happened is that because of more and more consumers buying, the retailers have been able to um, obtain more data mm. about spending behavior, the, the consumer behavior, and they've been able to um, essentially create 
a better experience for the consumer. They've got more and more uh, richer data with which to work. So um, what's happening is, you know, the, the more information you have, the better it is that you can design a system, design an experience, design a process, mm-hmm. and ultimately, at the end of the day, fulfill the the need of the customer much more efficiently. So data was, I think, the biggest um, barrier there. And obviously, there's that trust factor. I think the, 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 the you know, nobody likes to put their credit card details onto the internet. Mm. But, um, you know, through those experiences, customers have actually been able to see that, actually, you know what, it's not that bad. It's a, it's very secure. Um, you know, um, and, and the thing is, it's, it built up trust. So um, it's not just the retailer themselves, although they obviously had a big part to play, but that consumer actually putting trust into the systems that those retailers are providing them. Mm. And talking about credit cards, I mean, um, you know, before the pandemic with some retailers, you had only the option of paying through a credit card. But I also see that, um, you know, uh, post-COVID-19, this has given rise to innovative payment solutions as well, um, you know, to give consumers more flexibility let's ask let's just talk about what is out there at the moment all right so you know what um the 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 consumers have basically done is they've started to realize that there are solutions and payment options available to them that they've not seen before and and um a lot of the banks have opened up debit cards virtual cards and a number of other um P- uh, payment options to the consumer on payment gateways. And uh, w- what's happening is that um, the consumer is also starting to get a lot more uh, inform- informed about the fact that they don't actually have to go and buy uh, something on credit where they're going to be paying a interest rate, where they're going to be paying additional fees uh, for that facility. They are now able to go online with a company like Payflex and actually pay absolutely no fees. So an example would be if they bought something for a thousand rand, mm-hmm. they'll go through our system, they'll they'll be approved within a matter of ten seconds by just providing their ID number, their their cell phone number, and their and their uh, email address. And literally within ten seconds or less, a decision will be made, and then uh, they will be provided the option of actually paying um, that product off in four equal installments. So instead of paying that full thousand rand up front. They are now able to pay 250 rand uh, the, the, for the first payment, and then another 250 rand two weeks later, and so on and so forth, mm. until it's paid off at no additional fee. So what that's doing is that the customer or the consumer has now um, the ability to plan better. They realise that they don't actually have to go and pay with a physical credit card. They can mm. use a debit card or a virtual card that links directly into their check account, and absolutely pay no additional fees. And that I think is what's very attractive to consumers because, um, you know, with, with the lockdown, you know, people's budgets have become tighter. They're mm-hmm. having to really think about the way they spend cash. And if it means that they can save on costs, they're going to do that. It's going to, re- you know, reduce the reliance on cash as well because now they don't have to actually go to an ATM and pay physical cash. Everything is driven electronically these these days and i think that's appealing to the 
the consumer at the end, at, at the end of the day. Chris, we are going to take a news break now. It's nine o'clock. I'd like you to remain with us for just five minutes after sure. the, the, the news bulletin. And I just want also to, you know, after the break, talk about the focus and the balance between now clicks online and, and in mortar as well. And yes. just the balance between that as well. And you also touched on um, the financial strain that COVID has brought with it and just how people are now shopping more carefully. So this is what I'd like us to discuss after the news. And it's nine o'clock. Zolga Kotashe is standing by.